Well, let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for this new day. We thank you that uh, your goodness is offered to us each and every day, that your mercies are new each morning. And so I pray that you would uh, speak to us now, that you would open our, our ears to hear you and our eyes to see you and our hearts to love you, that we might know your son Jesus as you have revealed him in your scriptures, and that by your Holy Spirit, you would apply the teaching of your word to our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this uh, Epiphany season, we are asking the Lord to teach us how to pray. Prayer is one of those parts of Christian life that can be misunderstood so easily and, and certainly misapplied. But when approached rightly, it is an absolute gift of the Father. And so we've started our time by, by laying a foundation for prayer. We've seen how prayer is actually about spending time with our Father, and, and we've looked at some common barriers to prayer. And we need clarity on those things and a, and a proper foundation for prayer so that as we begin to do it, we have clear expectations and have a heart for prayer that aligns with, with our Father's heart. I really want to encourage us uh, to, to go back to these things throughout, throughout our Christian life, that we would go back to, to this foundation, as perhaps especially in, in seasons of, of, um, of dry times or, or spiritual deserts, we, we could say, when, when our prayer life seems a little wanting, that, that we would go back and, and maybe ask ourselves if, we, if we've slipped into some of these pitfalls or, or begun to approach prayer as a, as a have-to-do rather than a, a want-to-do. I think that can be helpful for us. And today we're going we're gonna to shift gears a little bit. This week we're going to begin to look at the prayer that our Lord gave us. When the apostles asked him to teach them how to pray, he gave them the Lord's Prayer. Not as, not as the only words we should ever pray, but as a, a model or a template for prayer. And so this morning, we begin to unpack this structure by looking at the first words. Our Father in Heaven. Just those four words. And Lord willing, what we'll see today is how this prayer and all our prayers are grounded in our Father Himself, that He is truly the focus of our prayer. Now, how does this first line ground our prayers in the Lord? Well, let's start by first looking at the second word of the prayer, Father. Now, we're going we're gonna to move through this a little quickly because, well, we've, we've spent two weeks really focusing on the fatherhood of God, but this is a crucial part of prayer and, and really of, of Christian life, of knowing who our God is. And so I do want to spend a little bit of time on a couple things we haven't touched on yet. First, I do think we need to acknowledge that for, for some, using father language for God uh, can be a bit of a struggle. Sometimes it's because of the masculine language, and so... Some might wonder why it's, it actually is inappropriate to refer to God as mother. Or perhaps more likely, we've had bad experiences with our earthly fathers, and so the idea of God as father is challenging for us because the image that we have of fatherhood is just not a good one. 
Now, we have spoken about the, the greater nature of our Father. That because He is a, a Father unlike any other, looking to Him as Father can actually heal our understanding of what a Father is and should be. But what I want to unpack for us today hopefully addresses both of these concerns. It's that the fatherhood of God establishes both His and our identity. You see, by nature, we are not children of God. That might sound controversial to some, but it, but it is the plain teaching of Scripture. It is found throughout Scripture, and perhaps most directly in Ephesians 2, when Paul tells us that we are by nature children of wrath. Because we are by nature children of wrath due to the truth of original sin, being made a child of God is not something we have simply by being born. We must be adopted by God. Given that identity of, of child by Him, by his, his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul writes to us that we are by nature children of wrath, but God, he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. What that tells us is that we can only rightly call God Father if we are found in Jesus. Because apart from His saving work, we remain alienated from God. As Paul says in Romans 8, we are God's children because we have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Only if we believe in Christ are we a child of God, and only if we are a child can we rightly call Him Father. This was believed so passionately by the early church that when a non-believer was at a worship service, they would not allow them to pray the Lord's Prayer. They could listen to the readings, they could listen to the prayers and the songs that were sung by the congregation, but there was two things in every service that they couldn't do. They could not receive the Eucharist, and they could not pray the Lord's Prayer. And that was true for exactly the same reason. Those activities are only appropriate for the children of God, for believers. One is the family meal, right, the Eucharist. The other is the family prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And so every time we pray this prayer that Jesus gives us, and every time we address God as our Father, we are reminded of not just who He is, but who we are as well, who He has made us to be. We are adopted children of God. That is your identity now. That is who you are if you believe in Jesus Christ. A child of God. Not, not all the things that we as a society have, have decided to use to identify ourselves with. All of that is secondary to the truth that in Jesus Christ you are made a child of God. Now what a gift that is. I mean, what a gift it is, period. But could you imagine, and, and many of us probably can, being someone who is wavering in their faith or, or is going through a difficult period, 
Maybe you find yourself in a spiritual desert. Well, every time that you call God Father, it is reminding us of that new identity we have in Him. And so whether we are in a difficult time or an easy time, that is who we are. And so that language is absolutely crucial. And as an adopted child, you are granted all the rights and privileges of a natural-born child, including direct access to the Father. Uh, We don't often understand how revolutionary this was because Father language has just become the norm for us. But in Jesus' time, things were different. See, even when prayer addressed God as Father, those prayers happened through an intermediary. Regular old folks didn't pray to God directly. They needed a priest to do that for them. That, thankfully, is no longer the case. You don't pray through me. My prayers are no more valid than yours are. God is my Father and your Father. And so all of us can pray directly to Him because we have been adopted by Him. We are His. That should give us great hope and assurance, and confidence in our prayers because our our Father hears us as we speak directly to Him as a child speaks to their Father. Our prayers should always remind us of who God is and who we are in Him. Now, at this point, it would be very easy to fall into a, a... a very common pitfall that we find a lot of the time among Western evangelical Christians. And I don't say this to to insult Western evangelical Christians. I consider myself one, and so maybe this is identifying a weakness within my own family, if you will. And this pitfall is to overemphasize the individual nature of our faith. Knowing that by faith in Christ I have been made a child of God, I might assume that I'm good on my own. I've got me, the Holy Spirit, my prayer book, and my Bible. What else could I need? Off I go, I can do this thing. The church speaks about the need for personal faith, and and that's a good thing. But as with all teachings, we can take it to the extremes. That doesn't invalidate the truth of the teaching, but it becomes an over-application of it. In this case, we become so fixated on the individual personal faith that we miss out on the communal part of our faith. The Lord's Prayer provides a corrective for us here. It doesn't allow us to fall into that trap, not if we pay close attention to it, because the very first word is not singular, but plural. Jesus didn't say, pray my Father in heaven, but our Father in heaven. And if we look, in fact, the language of the Lord's Prayer throughout the whole thing is not singular, but plural. It is communal language. It is showing us that prayer is a team sport. Sometimes we seek an individual faith so intensely that we miss out on the wonderful truth that we are made for a relationship with God, me and God, certainly, but also with one another. 
We were made to be in relationship with a greater body, with one another. The great uh, Canadian author Robertson Davies, he wrote a novel called The Manticore. And a character um, was speaking about the Western quest for individual fulfillment, and how we, how we often talk about how much we need individual fulfillment. And he wrote, he said this, you talk about individualism, what you truly want is to be links in a long, unbroken chain. We all, even rabid introverts like me, <laughs> we all, deep down, long for connection and community to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, something that, that lasts, that has meaning and purpose beyond just my individual experiences. And that is what the church is. It is that, that bigger thing that we can be a part of. And we are reminded of that in prayer. Our Father, give us this day. Forgive us. In prayer, we are reminded of who our God is. He is Father. Of who we are. We are His child. But also who He has made us to be. A body of faithful believers knit together, bound together by the grace and love of Jesus Christ. We are in this together. After all, if by grace through faith we have been made children of God, that means we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. What a time and place to be in. To be reminded that we are not alone. You might be physically alone right now due to this, this lockdown. But by faith in Christ, you are not alone. You never are. You have siblings beyond counting who are joining you in worship and prayer even now. COVID can't stop that. Nothing can. And so I want to encourage you. I know some that, that when they do their own personal devotions, they'll pray the Lord's Prayer and they'll they'll individualize it. And they'll, they'll pray, my Father in heaven, and things like that. And, and there's, there's nothing wrong with individual personal prayer. Please don't hear that. But I want to encourage you to keep this language communal, to not personalize it, to exclude others. Even when you're praying it physically by yourself, pray the Lord's Prayer as it is to remind yourself that there are countless others. There is a cloud of witnesses praying these words throughout the world just as you are. You are praying together even when apart. Even though I'm here on my couch and you are wherever you are, we are praying together, praying this liturgy together, worshiping together. And since we are bound together in faith as siblings of our Father, we are meant to intercede for one another. Remember, give us, forgive us. These are words of intercession. Praying for one another is meant to be as natural as praying for ourselves by ourselves. And that doesn't stop just because we're not physically together. Join us for our Tuesdays at 2 prayer time. And if you, you don't know how to use Zoom, ask me. I'll help you. I, I mean, I could practically be on support staff for them by now. 
And all of us know how to work a telephone, call someone. Ask for prayer and let the act of praying for one another bind you together in love and genuine Christian relationship. It's one of the many gifts of prayer that the Lord has given to us. I know that can be a a nervous thing for some of us. We might not want people to know what's going on in our lives or we might be embarrassed or or even ashamed about, about what we're going through or what we think or believe. Might mean acknowledging that our lives are not what we wanted them to be, or maybe what they appear to be, or that we have sin in our past or our present that we we'd rather not deal with. I I can understand all of that, and I've experienced some of that throughout my life. But when we keep those things from one another, we limit the gift of prayer. I can't point to Right. We'll speak even more about this when we when we talk about praying forgiveness. But the truth is, when we pray for one another, it has an effect. We are bound together by it. William Law once said that there is nothing that makes us love someone so much as praying for them. When we keep our stuff to ourselves, when we don't ask for prayer and we don't pray with others, that is what we're missing out on. No one's saying you have to go and dump all your stuff on every Christian you meet. It is simply that not praying with others, we are only harming ourselves. And please know, if there is something that you need prayer for and you just you can't seem to pray about it, give me a call. Just as a doctor or nurse would say, there's, there's nothing they haven't seen. Well, the same is true for, for most clergy. Spiritually speaking, there ain't much we haven't seen. In fact, it, it's part of the call that the Lord places upon those he has set apart for ministry. Far be it, says the prophet Samuel, far be it that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Let me know how I can pray for you. I'd love to be able to do that. Our Father. The words that show us who our God is and how we relate to Him. And they show us who we are, not simply as individuals, but who we are together. And that's wonderful. That's an amazing thing. And it's made all the better (laughs) by the next two words. In heaven. Now what is so encouraging about these words that seem to simply identify where God is? Well, it's about more than geography here. You see, since he is our father in heaven, it means that he is truly different. That the one we speak to is far greater than we are. Think about it this way. Think about the images that you have in your mind when you think about heaven. What, what is it that you imagine? Right? For some of us, it's you know, this place of golden streets and unlimited blessing, and it's, it's constant worship and praise and, and love and fellowship, and it's, it's amazing, right? And for some others, it, it's actually kind of non-biblical images of angels sitting on clouds playing harps, like in the, the old Philadelphia cream cheese commercials, if you remember those. I think it's been a long time since those have been on. I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. With that, that, that's okay. <laughs> uh, one day we will talk about biblical depictions of, of heaven, uh, but that'll be another time. But what we can say for now 
is that it is a place beyond our imagining. It is something beyond what we can conceive of. It is so much greater and so much more beautiful and perfect than what we experience now. And so we long for it. We long to to be there and to experience it. But we long for it. Here's the truth. We long for it. We desire it because it is the place where our Father dwells. It is the place where he is known in the way that he should be and responded to in the way that he should be with worship and reverence and the honor due his name. Phil Riken rightly points out, he, meaning God, he dwells in a high and lofty place of majesty, power, and dominion where he is worshipped by myriads upon myriads of angels. God is so far above us that his exalted position demands our worship and respect. That is the heart that we should have for God. Because the heart of worship, adoration, and honor truly begins to see God as Father. You see, we can sometimes approach prayer in a way that diminishes God. We rightly speak of prayer as, as, as talking with God, of simply speaking with Him, but that can sometimes cause us to, to diminish Him, to view Him as, as just another friend. But He is far more than that. He is the everlasting God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the one who created us for relationship with Him and is the only one who can satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. And because all of that is true, when we pray... We should ask the Father to form our hearts in the reverence and worship that is rightly His. When we see Him for who He is, we not only respond as He deserves, but are reminded that since He is so different and so awesome and powerful, we are speaking with the One who can actually change things. That He is God. He's not just another friend. He's not a, a powerless idol that we're, that, that we're asking to do something that they are completely unequipped for. He is God. He is almighty. In heaven are words of majesty that form in us a heart of reverence and worship. And since he is our father in heaven, we can have confidence that our prayers are heard by one who has the power to act on them, who isn't ill-equipped, who is perfectly equipped to do what is right and good. He has the power to change things, perhaps most importantly, to change our hearts. Now, when we understand how great and awesome He is, we are then in turn struck by how gracious and loving He is. Because even as He is so different and so perfect, He also loved us enough to allow us to be His children. And as such, for us, these are words of hope and comfort. He's our Father in heaven. He is our Father in heaven. Though He is perfect, though He is holy and worthy of all honor and praise, He has made you His child. 
He desires to speak with you, and you can address this, this one who is so different, so amazing, and so good. You can address him directly. He allows that through faith in Jesus Christ. When we call out together, he doesn't turn away as one who is too good to listen to us, even though he is. <laughs> Rather, from heaven, he hears the petitions of his people and is moved to act for his people. That is who our God is. In four words, just four words, we are given the truth of who our God is and who He has made us to be in Him, individually and together. With reverence and worship, we see the awesome otherness of God and are struck by just how gracious He is that He would allow us to be called children of God. That He would knit us together as His family. All of that in just four words. And for all these reasons, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the center of our prayer. All that we pray, all that we hope to gain in prayer, the whole meaning and purpose of prayer is found in Him and Him alone. We can't say enough about this. He is the beginning and the end of our prayers. He's the whole purpose. And to lose that is to lose prayer itself. It becomes mere speaking into the air, whether we are by ourselves or not. But that's not what our Father wants for us. He desires that we would address Him as our Father in heaven. That He might be the center of our worship and prayer and so fill us with His presence. That our hearts would ever long for Him. What a truly amazing thing that is. That this God would allow us not just to speak with Him, but allow us to bring our cares and concerns and our needs to Him and that He would hear them. Genuine prayer. What a gift it is. What a heart-changing, heart-filling thing. As we are brought in reverence and worship to speak with our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are indeed our Father in heaven. Help us never to forget that. Help us never to forget that we are your children by faith in Christ. Thank you that you have allowed that to be the case, that you allow us to address you in such a way, but that oh, you are still so much greater and more holy and more perfect than we could ever imagine Father, I pray that you would help us to have that intimacy and that, 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 that reverence all at the same time. That we might pray to you rightly and give you thanks and praise that you hear our prayers. That you are our Father in heaven. And in you there is hope and peace beyond imagining. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.